Uh, so you might like to take out your Bibles this morning. We're going to be heading to uh, 2 Peter chapter 3. And we're going to be continuing our Distinct Marker series and, and hopefully bringing it into land this morning. And uh, our hope and our prayer over these last six or seven weeks, as we've been looking at some of these distinct markers of God's people, is that hopefully it hasn't just been some nice information, some nice sentiments, but hopefully, and our prayer is that, that the Holy Spirit has breathed life into these various messages that have been preached, that, that you know, we're called to be a people set apart, a people distinct, a people different for His glory. And uh, our prayer is that, that the Holy Spirit has been stirring those things in our hearts to, to live the lives that God has called us to live. So as we turn to Second Peter chapter 3, I came across a quote this week. The late pastor and author Tim Keller, he said this about God's word and our approach to God's word. He says, contemporary people tend to examine the Bible looking for things they can't accept. But Christians should reverse that, allowing the Bible to examine us looking for things God can't accept. Ooh. <laughs> May we approach God's word this morning with that kind of reverence, with that kind of attitude with that desire for him to examine us and to change us where that's needed. Let's pray, and then we'll jump into it this morning. So, Lord, we just thank you for all that you've been doing already this morning. But we thank you, Lord, for this sacred time, this, this privilege, Lord, of opening up your word. And, God, we pray that you would search us, you would examine our hearts, you would change us where that's needed. We thank you for your word that you have breathed out, that you have given to us, Lord, and the way that it teaches us, it corrects us, it equips us, it encourages us. It's a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. I pray this morning that, God, our hearts would be open to you, Lord, to what you would say through your word. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I wonder how many of us Enjoy being on the water, going out on the boat. Is there a show of hands this morning? Who likes going? Okay, that's fine. What I've come to realize over the years is that I have not missed my calling to be in a seafaring profession by any stretch of the imagination. My wife and I, when we were on our honeymoon, uh, it became very clear to me that the land will do just fine. We went one day and, and we, we, we honeymooned up far north Queensland and we wanted to go out and see and snorkel on the Great Barrier Reef. Just a wonderful experience. And so we got there, we got to the, the marine and I went on board and the friendly boat employee, the tour company employee greeted us and they said, oh well, just to let you know, uh, it's going to be a little bit choppy today. So we recommend you take some seasick tablets. And so I must admit, I was, at first I was like, seasick tablets, I'm going to be fine. I've been on the Sydney Harbour in the ferries there. I've been out on you know, a dinghy with my dad and my papa fishing. It's going to be fine. You know, I think I was probably trying to impress my beautiful bride as well. And just like, seasick tablets. Anyway, they said, look, sir, we really recommend that you take these seasick tablets because it's going to be a little choppy. I was like, okay, fine, I'll take them. Now, what I have come to know is that when people who spend their working days on a boat say it's going to be a little bit choppy, 
That means that it's going to be incredibly rough, life-threateningly rough on the water. And so as we departed on this wonderful experience to go out to the Great Barrier Reef, we were there in a decent-sized boat, and the configuration at the back was like a U-shape. So if the boat's going that way, we were sitting kind of in the U, so I was looking that way. The boat's heading this way, I was looking that way. And as we get out into the open water, sure enough, things start to get a little choppy. And I'm sitting there and I'm hanging on and I'm trying to, you know, I've, I've heard that maybe fixing your eyes on something helps with the feeling. And uh, I was not in a good place. And what I was doing, the problem was there was a window directly opposite me. So as I was looking out there, I could see the sky, I could see the depths of the ocean, I could see the sky, I could see the depths of the ocean. Things were not looking good. I was looking around for where Jesus was sleeping to try and wake him up to get him to say, peace, be still. My poor wife realized that day, and she was fine, by the way, she was totally fine, that the saying that someone looks a little bit green is not just a figure of speech, but it's actually a literal thing. We ended up having a nice time snorkeling. When we finally came to a stop on the reef, and Jesus finally woke up so he could command the waves to be still, we had a nice time, and then, of course, we had to get back into shore again. So the same thing, the same thing. And I, I tell you, when we got off the boat, I've never been so glad to be on solid land. In life, there are times when it seems like things can get a little bit choppy where the wind and waves may pick up and are crashing all around us. It can feel like things may be coming against us, buffeting us. But as God's people, we aren't meant to be tossed around by the winds and the waves, every which way. There is a call for us to be steadfast, to stand firm, to have a solid foundation in our lives. And so we've been focusing on some distinct markers of followers of Jesus. Distinct, of course, meaning something that's recognizably different, something that's easily identifiable in our lives. And I want to put before you this morning that a distinct marker is or should be living with a sense of steadfastness and stability in our lives. Not because of anything we are or drum up, but because of who he is. And so if you're taking notes this morning, the title of my message is Distinct Markers, A People Steadfast. A People Steadfast. As we read throughout Scripture, there are many references to being steadfast or, or exhortations to stand firm or be immovable. Here are just some examples from the New Testament alone. Great, great Scriptures, great verses for us to grab hold of. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, it says, Be steadfast immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. What a wonderful promise that is. Ephesians 6, this wonderful passage on spiritual warfare and putting on the armor of God. The Apostle Paul writes, you know, be strong in the Lord. And then on more than one occasion, on multiple occasions, he says, stand firm then. Stand firm. There's, again, that exhortation for us to be steadfast, standing firm in the Lord. Colossians 1.23, another example. Paul, again, writing, he's talking about Jesus, the one who's able to present us blameless before God. If we continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope 
of the gospel. In James, James 1 verse 12, we read that blessed is the one who remains steadfast under trial. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 6, he's, he's, he's encouraging us to make every effort to add to our faith virtue and knowledge, etc., etc. And one of these incredible qualities is, in fact, steadfastness. So that if we possess, possess these things in increasing measure, we won't be ineffective or unproductive in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there are, of course, many other examples as well. But in, in drawing from the Greek words used in the New Testament for steadfast, for stability, biblically speaking, to be steadfast means a sense of having a solid base or being well-seated. It means being securely positioned, not given to fluctuation or moving off course, being fixed, firmly set, and established, bearing up, remaining under the load. And, we, and there's this connotation that for the believer, this happens by God's power. So for us, for the Christian, for the follower of Jesus, this looks like, in our lives, it means not being easily, I guess, swayed or thrown off course when temptation comes, when trial comes, when circumstances happen, when the culture all around us may be shouting at us certain things. It looks like not being easily thrown off course. It means not easily giving up or throwing in the towel. It means staying the course, staying faithful to Jesus. So with that in mind, by way of some of the characteristics of steadfastness, what it looks like, we're going to read together from 2 Peter chapter 3. And just a little bit of context. We'll be in verse 11 of chapter 3. But the Apostle Peter, he's writing to encourage believers, the purpose of him writing this wonderful letter, to diligently pursue godly character and the true knowledge of Jesus. But he's also writing to expose and address and denounce the dangerously deceptive activity of false prophets and false teachers among the churches in the region. And they were undermining or seeking to undermine the original truth of Christ's message. And so in this particular chapter, chapter 3 of Second Peter, he's been addressing the coming of the Lord. He's been dispelling some rumors. He's been bringing some correction, bringing some right perspective. He's been encouraging the believers, hey, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. The Lord's heart is that people would come to repentance. He's saying don't lose heart. Remember his patience. Remember his kindness. And also remember that these earthly things, these light and momentary troubles will come to an end, will ultimately be dissolved and will ultimately be shown for what they truly are, temporary things. So we're going to pick it up in verse 11. He writes, Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God? because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul 
also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Amen. So a couple of things, a few things for us to note first up that will hopefully lead us to where I want to land, where I want to just delve into a little bit this morning around being a people steadfast. First thing I want us to to take note of is that we have a hope. We have a hope. Though the things of earth will fade away, though the things of earth will come to an end, will be shown for what they really are, for this world is not our home. For believers in Christ, this should remind us of our hope. And as Peter writes, it is, a, it is a future hope. It's an ultimate hope to be realized for eternity, the new heavens and earth that we're eagerly awaiting for and expecting. And it'll be more than our eyes have seen, our ears have heard, our, our hearts could imagine. It's an ultimate hope to be realized, but it is a present hope, a present reality, if you like, to be lived here and now. This hope is an anchor for our souls, as the writer to the Hebrews so beautifully portrays. Anchoring into this hope will enable us to be steadfast here in our lives. We have a hope. We have a call. Because of this future hope, because of this present reality of hope, because this world is ultimately not our home, we have a call. In verse 11, Peter writes, you know, since these things are happening, what sort of people ought you to be? In other words, in the meantime, what sort of lives are you called to live? And he says, well, lives of holiness and godliness. Holiness meaning a pattern of daily life that sets us apart as believers. And godliness meaning living with and displaying profound reverence for God and a desire to honor him in every area of our lives. That is our call, to be distinct, to live lives set apart, that holiness and godliness be our aim and our response to the Lord and to who he is. We have a hope, we have a call. third thing I want us to notice is that we have a responsibility. And this is where I want to focus, this is what I want to unpack a little bit this morning, in order to help us be people who have, as a distinct marker in our lives, a sense of steadfastness. So Peter writes in verse 17, he writes, Take care. Take care. Now this phrase, take care, is one that even today we would commonly use in our modern language and vernacular, right? Maybe it's to sign off on a letter. You know, hope this finds you well. Take care. Perhaps to sign off on a message, a text message to someone. Take care. All the best. Perhaps it's, um, you know, like as Peter writes here, the end of, end of his letter. Perhaps it's a goodbye. He's saying goodbye to someone. Take care. Have a good trip. Things like that. What are we to take care in if we consider this particular call that Peter 
gives to us. In other words, what is our responsibility? Well, there's three things here I want us to notice this morning that Peter writes. He says, take care, first of all, to not be carried away or led astray or drift away due to distorted truth or doctrine or things like that. So to take care not to be carried away, to take care to not lose our stability, and to take care that we are growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. And I want to submit to you this morning that if we take care in these areas, it will in fact cause us to be steadfast. It will help us to be resilient disciples of Jesus. By resilient, I mean that ones that aren't tossed around when things get a little choppy, when the wind and waves pick up. Resilient disciples are ones that have an ability to stand firm. In this culture and cultural moment that we live, there are many things that could or that have the potential to cause us to lose our stability, to cause us to get carried away, to even cause us to stop growing in Jesus. There are many different forms of the wind and waves that will come to buffet our boats, if you like. Trials, temptations, wars and rumors of wars, political uncertainty, various ideologies, the rising cost of living, rising interest rates, rising secularism, all those sort of things. But I want to just speak into that this morning and remind us that as his people, we can remember that our God, the Lord our God, is higher and greater and stronger, that he's still on the throne, and that changes things for us. That changes how we perceive what's going on around us. That changes how we respond to that. It, it means we can live with a sense of confidence and assurance and certainty. It means we can live with this ability to stand firm and keep on going even when things perhaps get a little bit choppy. As resilient disciples, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, faith in him has an impact on us. It has an impact on how we stand. It has an impact on how we hold on, what we are holding on to, because we have something that we can anchor into. We have something firm that we can hold on to and something firm that we can stand upon so that when that unexpected medical diagnosis comes, when that financial pressure begins to take hold, when that storm hits you like a truck, when that call to compromise comes knocking, perhaps when the world is shouting at you contrary to what the truth of God's word is saying, shouting at you to take the wide road instead of the narrow road, that you're not carried away, that you're not just losing your stability, but instead you're able to remain steadfast. I just At this point, I just feel like maybe there's someone here, maybe more than that, that you've been in that place where things have perhaps got a little bit choppy, in whatever area, but particularly I feel uh, just perhaps in that area where there's that, that, that call to, to compromise or that uh, you, 
the, the world, what the world is shouting at you, it's causing you just to be a little bit kind of unsteady, to waver a little bit, to wonder, is this all worth it, following Jesus? I want to say to you, if you're here this morning online, uh, just out of obedience, to, to hold on, to not give up, to not lose your stability, because the Lord is faithful. He wants to reveal himself to you in a deeper way. He wants to show himself that he's got you. I don't know who that's for, but I just felt to say that this morning. All right. If a distinct marker of our lives, something recognizably different about us as followers of Jesus, is that in the midst of all the choppiness and the storms and other things, we are steadfast. How do we be steadfast? How do we take care to ensure that we are steadfast? Well, there's, there's just three things that I want to encourage us in this morning that I want to leave us with today as we go from here. First of all, if we're to take care, if steadfastness is to be a distinct marker in our lives, we must consider what are we looking to? What are we looking to? In other words, what is our reference point? This deals with the aspect of taking care not to be carried away with error. I wonder how many of us love holidaying at the beach. I've always loved going to the beach, spending time there in the warmth of summer. Even in winter, that's when my family holidays at the moment. Really looking forward to that in a few weeks. I've always loved spending time at the beach, and now our kids are kind of getting a bit older, particularly our older two boys. Uh, they love the beach as well. And as they've got older, we've been teaching them, you know, when, when you're swimming at the beach, we've taught them the importance of swimming between the flags. Why is that? Well, it's the safest place, and that's where their help will be if they happen to get in a little bit of trouble. We tell them that the flags are your reference point. That if you're out there having a great time in the waves, and we're, of course, nearby, it's not like we just let them go, and we're there. But if you're there swimming and you're kind of caught up in the waves and what's happening, it can be very easy to just kind of drift away, can't it? You ever found that? You've just been having such a great time, and then you turn around and you're like, whoa, I've drifted a lot here. We tell our kids, hey, the flags are your reference point. You've got to keep your eye on the flags. Look to them. Keep an eye on your position to ensure that you don't drift away or get carried away by the waves. This morning, I want to ask us, what are you looking to? What is your reference point? When the wind and waves come, yes, but also in our modern secular culture with all sorts of things, agendas and other ideologies being presented, how do we not get carried away and drift away from the safety of the flags, of the reference point? One of my favorite New Testament passages is Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. We've sung it actually this morning. It says that, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, those who have gone before, those who have endured much, those who have been faithful and steadfast, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus the author and the perfecter of our faith. Looking to Jesus. Looking to Jesus. 
And I want to suggest that, I want to proclaim to us this morning that looking to Jesus, that, is, that must be our reference point. That must be the place that when maybe we start drifting a little bit away or things getting a little bit choppy, that we're like, oh, hang on, no. I'm looking to Jesus. I'm setting my heart upon him. It's not just a, a casual glance or a glimpse every now and then when we feel like it, when we have the time. No, this word here for looking to Jesus, it literally means looking away from all else and fixing one's gaze upon. I want to submit to us, put to us this morning, that to take care to not be carried away, to not drift away, that we must be looking to Jesus. He must be our reference point. And I want to suggest that YouTube, that social media, even Google, is perhaps not the best reference point, the best point to be looking to be a people steadfast, for that to be our reference point or where we're looking to. You know, I've seen an ad recently on TV, and it's kind of a bit of a creepy one that's like this you see Mount Everest and then like this finger climbing up Mount Everest. Has anyone seen that ad? Apparently the average Australian per month on their devices will scroll the height of Mount Everest every month. That was a mind-boggling statistic for me. And I want to suggest that not only will that result in RSI, but... Probably not all, not the best reference point either. If what we're looking to is that, I think we're going to be disappointed. It's in Jesus that we will find what we're looking for. It's in Jesus that we'll find a rock-solid reference point. So this morning, are you looking to Jesus? Is he the one that you're setting your heart upon? Is he your reference point? Because setting our hearts on Jesus looking to him and what he is doing, listening to him and what he is saying, will ensure that we're not being carried away, will ensure that we are, in fact, a people steadfast, not given to fluctuation or easily moved. Because the more clearly we see Jesus, the better we know him, perhaps, the less attractive that call to compromise will be, the less attractive that false teaching or distorted truth will be. The more clearly we see Jesus, the more we will actually run to him when things start to get a little bit choppy, not run away from him or hide from him or drift away. I want to put to us this morning that if we can keep our focus on the main thing, that this will enable us to be distinct, to be steadfast. Just like the red and yellow flags at the beach, keeping our focus and our spiritual gaze upon the Lord Jesus Christ is the safest place to be. He is where our help comes from. So, first thing this morning to consider, what are we looking to? The second thing I want to encourage us in, if we're to take care, if steadfastness is to be a distinct marker in our lives, we must consider, what are we building on? And this, of course, deals with the aspect of taking care to not lose our stability. It's been a while since I've been there, but certainly growing up, I'd visit there uh, for school excursions and things like that, uh, to Questacon, just here in our very own city. And I can remember 
they had this earthquake room or an earthquake platform. Do you remember the, the platform? I think they've changed it maybe to a room. It's been a, little, a few years since I've been there. But the idea being is that you get to experience firsthand what it kind of feels like for an earthquake to hit. And of course, thankfully in our own country, they're a very rare occurrence. But I could, when you're there and you're on that platform or in that room and the earthquake starts, the first tendency you have when everything starts to move, when your stability is challenged, you want to reach out and grab hold of something, don't you? That's just kind of the reflex, that's the tendency we have. When, the, when everything starts to move, you want to hold on to something. Probably not this pulpit because it's getting, <laughs> getting wobblier each week. We need to have a look at that this week, perhaps. When everything is moving, you want something of substance to regain your stability. The foundation upon which we build our lives is crucial. Our stability as followers of Jesus, or lack thereof, comes from the degree to which we value and hear and receive and put into practice the Word of God in our lives. I love what the Lord Jesus himself says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 to 27. He says, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, He says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came. And the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Jesus himself made it very clear that to have a firm foundation, to be steadfast, even through the storms, even through the wind and waves, it involves both hearing the word and doing the word. There's both aspects that are important in our lives. It's it's a little bit like... You know, something to build, the IKEA flat pack or the Lego, which is the thing, at all the rage in our house at the moment. Getting the Lego or getting the IKEA flat pack and you have the instructions and you kind of look through and say, well, some nice pictures there, some nice principles there, I'll take it from here. That's, Jesus is saying it's not just reading and, reading and hearing the word, thinking, oh, that's good ideas, good principles, but actually taking that and building that into our lives and putting that into practice. The more that we allow God's word to shape us, to feed and nourish us, to be the foundation, the greater our stability, the deeper our roots will go. The more firm our foundation will be, the more we have something of substance to grab onto when things start to get a little bit choppy all around us. His word must be our standard. The standard that we look to and that we're measuring to. And is also the reference point, just like the flags I talked about just before. If we can learn to be in his word, to be building our lives upon it, not just as good principles to give mental assent to, or to pick and choose what suits us, but to be a hearer and a doer of the word, this will help us be a people who are steadfast. And it will in fact be a distinct marker in our lives. It'll be noticeable. It's like, 
hang on a minute, why are you not stressed right now? Why is it that you're able to have clarity in the midst of all that is swirling around us? Why is it that you're holding on and not giving up? Well, building my life on a firm foundation. If we're to take care and if steadfastness is to be a distinct marker in our lives, we must consider what we are building upon. What we are building upon. It's his word that must be the firm foundation in our lives. That will give us something of substance to grab hold of, to not lose our stability. Finally, this morning, if we're to take care and if steadfastness is to be a distinct marker in our lives, we must consider how are we growing. Peter writes, Take care, because you're not carried away, you lose your stability. But take care to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the solution, the solution to not being carried away by lawless people, by falsehood, the solution to not losing our stability, the solution to being steadfast. It's to grow. It's to grow. It's, it's, it's key to authentic discipleship. Indeed, the Lord requires non-stop progress or development in our lives of faith, not stagnant, not fits and starts. This word for grow, it, it actually means to cause to increase, to become greater in size or greater in maturity. That is the picture of a life of steadfastness, growing in maturity, increasing in stability. And specifically, when he writes, grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, it's not just head knowledge, not just an in-principle understanding of Jesus, of his work on the cross, of his saving power, but an experiential knowledge. That is indeed what this word means in the Greek. It's knowledge gleaned from first-hand personal experience. It carries with it a connotation of connecting theory with application. It's the sort of knowledge gained by direct Relationship. I love what Jesus says and teaches in John 15. It's an encouraging and challenging passage at the same time. He's talking, of course, about abiding in him. He says several times, abide in me. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from him, we can do nothing. Apart from Jesus, there is no life. There is no growth. There is no flourishing. If we are to grow in maturity, if we are to increase, if we are to be steadfast, we must know Jesus. We must be connected to Jesus. So that we can know his life and nourishment, goodness flowing into our lives. It's a little bit like the boat story that I started with. When things get a little bit choppy in life, we want to know that Jesus is right there with us. Not just his head knowledge. We, we want to know his character and his nature. We want to know his faithfulness. We want to know his power. We want to know his ability. 
So these are the things for us to take care of, to ensure that a distinct marker of our lives is steadfastness. And do you know something really amazing? Maybe the worship team could come back up, perhaps, or at least the keys. (laughs) Something that's really amazing is that being a people steadfast, it's not all dependent on us. Yes, absolutely, we need to ensure that what we're looking to, what we are building on and how we're growing is right, but there's responsibility there, absolutely. But ultimately, we are not the object of our faith. He is. And we can be a people steadfast. We can be a people who stand firm in the midst of trials, temptations, struggles, pain, in the midst of an increasingly secular world because because of who he is. Because the Lord Jesus is rock solid in his steadfastness and faithfulness to us. Because he is the one who continues to show his steadfast love. Because he is the one who is still seated on the throne. Because he is the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And his track record is pretty good. Because he is the one who is completely and unreservedly committed to us, his people, his treasured possession. Why? Because he paid the highest price for us and our salvation there at the cross so that we could know him. We have this promise in Scripture that he will never leave us nor forsake us. We have this promise that he is not far off or distant. We we have this hope in the Lord Jesus that can never perish or fade or be dashed or be broken. And I want to encourage us in that this morning. We must remember that, that we can be a people steadfast because of who he is, because of his steadfastness, because of his faithfulness, because of his commitment to us. Steadfast means being securely positioned, being established, not being tossed when things get a little choppy. The Lord Jesus must be our reference point, the one to whom we are looking. His word must be our foundation so that we don't lose our stability and our relationship with him must be growing. This is how we can be steadfast and have it be a distinct marker in our lives. And you know, the result of being steadfast, the end result, the end game, if you like, of taking care to not be carried away, of taking care to not lose our stability, of taking care that we are growing in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know the result of that? I love how Peter ends this wonderful letter. He says, To him be the glory, both now and forevermore. That's what being a people set apart leads to. That's what ultimately the distinct markers of our lives should point to, should do. It should bring glory to him. It should point people to him. Stand this morning as we bring our time to a close.
I'd invite the prayer team uh, just to come forward at this point too. Over here is the right and left of the stage. So where are you at this morning? Maybe you find yourself in a place right now where the wind and the waves are crashing. Where things are perhaps a little bit choppy. Maybe you're like doing all you can to hold on like I was in that boat. Maybe you're looking a little bit green. morning, there's an invitation to receive prayer, to invite the Lord to come, to bring a renewed sense of steadfastness, to bring a renewed sense of hope. Perhaps you're in a place this morning where the temptation to give in to the pull of the ways of this world is feeling so strong right now. I want to encourage you. Don't lose your stability. Don't get carried away. Don't drift away this morning. But draw near to Jesus. His arms open wide. Perhaps you're in a place this morning where you haven't ever said yes to Jesus. You haven't ever invited him to come and be saviour, yes, to cleanse you, free you from your sins, but also to invite him to be Lord, to give up control, to surrender to him, to begin a journey of steadfastness, of standing firm. There is an invitation for you this morning to respond to Jesus, to come as you are and say, Lord, here I am. I need you. I surrender my life to you. In the midst of this world and all that's constantly changing, in the midst of my own brokenness and all that, I want to be steadfast in you. Because you are steadfast and faithful to, to me. So there is an opportunity for prayer this morning in those particular areas. And I would encourage us here to never underestimate the power and the significance of prayer, of having someone stand with you and pray with you. To never underestimate what God is able to do through that simple act. Maybe this is the morning of breakthrough. Maybe this is the morning of freedom. Maybe this is the morning of healing. Maybe this is the morning of just a renewed steadfastness and resolve to live for Him. So Lord, as we finish up our time together this morning, I thank you. And I praise you for your great faithfulness to us, Lord. 
for your great steadfastness, your steadfast love, Lord, that you continually show to us, you continually pour out upon us, Lord, even when, even though perhaps we don't deserve it, Lord God. And it's because of who you are, Lord God, because you do not let go of us, (laughs) that we can be steadfast, Lord. And I just pray that you would be at work by your Holy Spirit in each of our hearts, in each of our lives here this morning, Lord God, to strengthen us, Lord, to help us to take care that we are not being carried away. But Lord, we're not losing our stability, and Lord, that we are growing. Lord, may we look to you, Lord Jesus, not just as a casual glance or glimpse, but may we fix our gaze, our hearts upon you. Lord, may we build our lives upon the firm foundation of your word. And may we grow in the grace and the knowledge of you, Lord Jesus. May we be connected to the vine. For apart from you, we can do nothing. Lord, I want to pray for those this morning who find themselves in a season or in a place where things have just been or are getting a little bit choppy right now. And I just bless them this morning to know your hope afresh, Lord God, to stand firm in you, to know that your arms are open wide, that your hand is carrying them right now, Lord God. May they not lose heart. May they not lose hold. May they not give up. And I just pray a blessing, Lord, on each and every person here. We would leave here a little bit different than when we came in, or a lot different. <laughs> and I bless each person with the love of God our Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship, the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. It's in the mighty and wonderful name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.